Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Are you in Matthew chapter 7 yet? Matthew chapter 7. This verse, and we're only going to read one verse from Matthew. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount, which we know is the first and last word on ethics. It is the most powerful um, sermon ever preached from the greatest man who's ever lived. And today we're just going to read one verse, which has been come to be known as the golden rule. Jesus says this in verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's read it again. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This golden rule sits at the foundation of our Western society conviction and values. Many of us know it by heart. We're taught it, but a lot of us don't know that it was Jesus that first brought it. And he brought it in this positive form where he's calling us to active action. And this golden rule really um, can change your life. It can change society. It is almost infinite on the amount of impact it can have in your life if you'd put it to practice. But what's so powerful is that Jesus didn't just preach it. He put it into practice. He lived it. He showed us what the golden rule looks like in everyday life. And I think it's appropriate on this Christmas Eve to show how the golden rule connects to the Christmas story, that Jesus put it into practice by his coming. I want to read to you Luke chapter 2, verse 11. You know the famous, famous declaration from the angels fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And how many are thankful that today a Savior has come for you and for me? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you came for us. We thank you, Lord, that you showed us with your life what the golden rule really looks like. And I pray today, God, we don't just receive it, but we're challenged by it. That we begin to follow in your footsteps, to live like you. I thank you that right now, God, you're opening every heart and opening every mind. In this atmosphere of faith, we're ready to receive your word. So I pray everything else may it fade right now. What we're doing later, what the plan is for tomorrow, any stresses or nervousness that come from this season, any darkness that would try and overshadow it, but right now, let your light pierce through. And I pray your word pierces through to every heart, every mind, every spirit and soul right now. Come, Lord Jesus, and speak to us and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. The life of Jesus, from his beginning through to his death and resurrection, reveals the power and the potency of this golden rule that he gives us. And really, the Christmas story is a fulfillment of this golden rule because everything he did he did for others. Everything Jesus did, he did not do for himself, but he did for you and me. That's why when the angels say, for unto us was born this day, unto you was born this day a savior 
who is Christ the Lord. The, the act of salvation comes from the person of Jesus who applies the golden rule through his life towards his people. He puts into practice what he has preached. When he says, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. This, this rule is a golden thread that has been woven through the tapestry of our society. It's what binds us together and pulls us towards morality. This golden rule is what civilizations have been built on, what men's lives have been changed because, what families rest on. I, I don't want us to underestimate the pure power of this one rule. What this one rule did at work in our society almost confounds the imagination. It's almost difficult to fathom and to see that Jesus is letting us in on not just how our life works, but how all of eternity works. He's letting us in on his purpose by preaching the golden rule. He's showing us why he did what he came to do and who we are called to be in following in his footsteps that we would do unto others what you would have them do unto you. See, Jesus wants us to come to him. So he came to us. Jesus wants us to be in relationship with him. So he came to initiate relationship with us. Jesus wants us to spend time with him, to be in his presence. So he brings his presence across space and time, through galaxies, into humanity, humble and lowly, amongst animals and in a feeding trough. Why? Because he wanted to spend time, have relationship, bring freedom and forgiveness. The Christmas story is not just a children's story. It is the greatest revelation of a great God. It is the ultimate story of humanity. It is God saying, I'll do for you what you could not do for me. I'll do for you what I wish you would do for me. I will come to you. He's a good God. This is the essence of the gospel. John 3, 16, you probably know it well. It says, for God so loved the world. And what did he do? He gave. Yeah. Who? His only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God, verse 17 tells us, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world through him might be saved. Come on. Come on. This is the very essence of why Jesus came. He came not to bring uh, 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 condemnation. He came not to bring pressing and oppression. He came not to bring guilt and shame. He came to bring liberty, to set free the oppressed. He came to bring forgiveness. He brought it in his hands and he gives it to his people. And this is what John 3, 16 is telling us is that God sends his son to rescue. This is his divine mission to rescue. And John 1 tells us that he came to his own and his own didn't recognize him. He came as light, but people love darkness rather than light. 
And God knew that this would happen, and yet he still says, I'm still gonna do to you what I wish you would do to me. Even if you reject me, I'm still gonna do the right thing because of who I am. I'm still gonna offer, I'm still gonna forgive, I'm still gonna love. This is the essence of Christianity, that Jesus came to rescue people, and that you and I have the choice to be rescued. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us that choice. Come on, thank you, Jesus, that you came to us. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't just preach, but I'm thankful that he practiced what he preached, that he lived out the golden rule, and, and that God gave his son to us as the ultimate gift. Tonight, tomorrow, you're going to be giving gifts to people. And I sure hope they're good gifts. You know, because... The gift says more about the giver than the receiver. Come on, how many know that's true? Right? How many know that's true? The good gift givers are like, that's very true. The other people are like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and I, I, when, I think when it, you know, when, it, when it comes to Christmas, I think we should follow this rule. This is the golden rule applied to Christmas. Give the gift that you'd want to receive. I mean, not the actual gift. I'm speaking in a metaphorical, wider sense. You know, like, don't give the gift that, obviously, your, your dad doesn't want these new Ugg boots, but you'll, you'll take them. You know? not, these aren't my size. <laughs> no, no. Give the quality of a gift. A good gift takes time and attention. If you want to buy a good gift, you've got to start listening to what people want in September. You need to become like Sherlock Holmes, a detective. People are dropping clues. Your wife is dropping clues. She'll never just text it to you. Just send me the Amazon link and I will get you exactly what you want. <laughs> nah, there's clues, breadcrumbs, a little trail that leads to something that you will never figure out. <laughs> just buy something in the area. This is what I do, just go very expensive and then we'll eventually get to the, the right. You guys don't like that, but I'm telling you, it's a good gift, men. All the men are like, that's my move, too. <laughs> you know, you want to get, you, you get a good gift. Time and attention, that's a good gift. I'm trying to get better at this. I'm trying to, to zero in on the right gift. You know it's a bad gift if you're going to buy it today. <laughs> Come on, I'm bringing the conviction of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know it's a bad gift if you bought it at any clearance section especially Kohl's clearance section, using that Kohl's cash. That is not a good gift. You know it's a bad gift if you have not even at least attempted to wrap the gift. Come on, a lot of people in here, are you bagging it? You're just, it's Christmas morning finding those bags? Guilty. At least attempt, and if you can't, you know, if you can't wrap, find, uh, like, maybe you have a sister or, or uh, like, a wife, just someone that's, that's uh, good at life, uh, have them help you. <laughs> I always, like, ask, like, hey, you know, when you go to the store, like, do you guys wrap this gift? Because I am uh, completely incapable. <laughs> do you guys, can you help me? No? Okay, well, then I'm not buying this. I'm leaving Kohl's. The clearance section stinks anyways. <laughs> when it comes to... When it comes to Christmas, the golden rule is to give the gift that you'd want to receive, the quality, because it says more about you than it does who's receiving it. And the truth of God is that he gave his greatest gift. 
He gave the ultimate gift. He gave the very best of his very best. He sent his one and only son. Knowing that people would spurn the gift, knowing that people would treat it lightly, knowing that people wouldn't even honor it for the quality that it is, but he still says, this is about me, not about your reaction. This is about who I am. And his gift reveals his character towards us, his consideration of us. And so he sends his very best to us. And he comes in a humble form. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. There was something so small, yet immensely powerful, immensely valuable, and that is the Son of God, Jesus sent by the Father, conceived by the Spirit, born of a virgin, witnessed by the shepherds, presented at the temple, honored by the wise men, and worshiped by the disciples. And today, all over the globe, in every tribe, in every tongue, people bow and and, and declare the name of the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the only one who is worthy because he came to us when we could not come to him. He came to us when we didn't want to come to him. The Bible says when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, When you were broken and lying there, he is the good Samaritan who got up off his own horse and went into the ditch and wrapped us and and bound us and put oils on us and picks us up and puts us in his own place and brings us to the inn and says, take care of them. Jesus is the one that initiated. Jesus is the one that cared. Jesus is the one that loved. Jesus is the one that gave. Jesus is the one that did it all. Why? Why? Why did he have to give? Because the truth is, we could not give to God. We could not get to God. In order for us to have relationship with God, God had to be the one to initiate. We were, at one time, cut off. We were a long way off. We were lying in that ditch there, and we needed a good God to come after us. Why? Well, this tracks all the way back to our first, our first parents, the first children of God, Adam and Eve, when they were made for relationship with God. They were made for communion. They were made for friendship. But instead of choosing that, instead of choosing God, because God always gives you a choice. He doesn't want drones. He doesn't want automatons. He, 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 he doesn't want robots or AI. He wants real people. Instead of, instead of choosing God, what did they do? They chose themselves. See, that's really what the fruit represented. It represented self. The Bible says that that Adam and Eve, they looked at the fruit that was being offered to them and it was pleasing to the eye. And it was desirable for food. And they knew that it would give them knowledge. All of it was about themselves. And so when they reached out and they did what God told them not to do, that's what sin simply is. It's missing the mark. It's coming below the standard of God. When they reached out and they chose themselves, what happened is they broke friendship with God. Why? Because God is so holy and he's so good, he cannot be around sin. He can't be allied with it. It's like like light and dark. They cannot both coexist in the same space. When the light comes, the dark must flee. And God is the light. 
So when humanity chose darkness, God said, I just can't be there. I can't, I can't be friends with that. I cannot be allied with that because it's evil, it's wrong, it's itself. See, the golden rule comes to teach us not about self, but about others. That's why it's so godly. That's why it's so golden. It's so beyond us. Our natural inclination, isn't this true? Is to first and foremost consider ourselves, what we want. So Eve goes after the fruit. This is what we want. Adam goes after the fruit. This is what, what I want. Isn't that still what we struggle with? Putting ourselves first at the Christmas buffet, at Christmas dinner, and it's all laid out. Come on, who's first in line? <laughs> Consider, considering our finances, our, our Christmas bonus, our success, our schedule, our emotions, our opinions. It's an obsession of self. That's sin. I mean, like, let, let's think about the character Scrooge. It's a good season to consider Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, that, that character was evil not because he did evil to others per se, but because he only considered himself. There was an obsession of self. And when he had the chance to give, he wouldn't give. When he had the chance to be kind, he wouldn't be kind. When he had the chance to consider others, he considered only himself. That's why this character is, so, is set as, as, as evil in our society because he's the inverse of the golden rule. Whenever he had a chance to do unto others, he only did what was good for himself. And that's the essence of sin. And it makes you cruel and it makes you small and it makes you self-concerned. Are you with me? And this is where humanity finds itself, that, that we want to get to a good God, but our selfishness causes us to be cut off. And we need some help. Adam and Eve made a bad trade when they traded that fruit for a relationship. They made a bad trade. You ever been in a Yankee swap and you just had to make a bad trade? You know, you got a low number, and you know, you already know, you got a low number, you're like, you know that stupid gift is coming my way. <laughs> you know, then you get mad at the person that brought that gift, like, bro, are you joking? You joking me right now? You're the person that, like, went all Michael Scott, you brought the iPod to the Yankee Swap. <laughs> and you get the dumbest gift. That's a bad exchange. Humanity made a bad trade. We traded we traded relationship, friendship with God with knowledge of good and evil. Knowing God for knowledge of good and evil. That's a bad trait. See, good is God adjacent, but it's no replacement. You can know good without knowing God. You can experience good, but still be a long way off from God. You can experience a beautiful sunrise, a beautiful sunset, you can say this is a piece of heaven, but it's not the fullness. It's good, but it's not God. You can have success in your business, your finances, your portfolio, your savings. It's good. It's security, but it's not God. It's not fulfillment. I mean, you, you could have that moment where you, you have the birth of your son and your, or your daughter, and you say, this is unbelievable. I've become a father. I've become a mother. It's good, but yet it's still not God. It's not, it's not able to save you or make you, or give you purpose and meaning. It's good, but not God, and a lot of us have traded God for good. 
relationship with our Father, which is what we were created for. We've traded good for God because that's, that's the consequence of sin that we're cut off from God. So God says, I'll come to them. I'll come to them. I'll do for them what I wish they would do for me. I'll come to them even though they can't come to me. Come on, this is a good God. He sees the prodigal a long way off because the truth is all of your goodness and all of your works and all of your good deeds, all of it can only get you a long way off from God. But God is such a good father and he's so looking for you and he so wants relationship with you that even if you're just a long way off but you say, I wanna come home, the father runs to you. He takes his own cloak and wraps you with goodness and grace. He begins to wipe the stain of sin off of you. He restores you to sonship. This is a good, good God that chases after those that ran away from him. God says, I'll come to them. And you might say, why? Because he says, I'm gonna do unto others what I would want them to do to me. I want them to come to me, so I'm gonna go to them. Jesus says, I'll show up. Come on, I will offer friendship. I'll offer healing and help. I'll show kindness. I will initiate. He's good God. You might say, God, why would you do this? Because he's, he's setting up a kingdom that's radically different than anything we've ever seen in this world. And in this kingdom, there's going to be citizens. And those citizens are going to look like their king. But Jesus says, I'm going to be the king, and I'm going to set this kingdom up, not by castles, not by boundaries, not by territories. I'm going to set it up in the hearts of men and women, and then I'm going to make them like me again in my image and likeness. I'm going to teach them what it looks like to live a fulfilled or a life of fullness. I'm going to, I'm going to show them the golden rule. I'm going to embody it with my life, but more than that, I'm going to pass it on to them and teach them to embody it with their life. And so this is what God gives us. He, he shows us what the golden rule should look like, and then he asks us to begin to try and keep it, live it, follow in his footsteps. I wonder what would happen if everyone followed this one rule. What would begin to happen if people could just follow just the golden rule? Never mind everything else in Scripture. Because Jesus actually says if you boil all of the Old Testament down, if you distill it to its purest form, all of it can be found in this golden rule. Whatever you'd want, do unto others what you'd want them to do unto you. All of it can be, can be compiled into just this simple thing. I wonder what would happen if the whole world began to keep the golden rule. Tell you what, first and foremost, you would see, you would see instantaneous forgiveness from everybody. I'm talking 70 times 70 types of forgiveness. People wouldn't be keeping receipts, wouldn't be keeping the, the garbage filled for the next fight to dump it all out in the kitchen. You get that metaphor? People wouldn't be, wouldn't be um, holding the past against each other, taking passive aggressive stances. What would happen? I mean, I mean, friendships would be saved right in the moment. Families could come together and, and have Christmas dinner without all this tension and, and hatred and stuff boiling under the surface. If we just could follow the golden rule, there would be instantaneous relationship, uh, relationships coming back together. If we could just follow the golden rule, 
There would be radical generosity on behalf of people. I mean, giving things away rather than hoarding them. Rather than trying to make every last cent, instead you would try and see how much God could push through your life to other people. Instead of trying to defraud people or get one over on people, you would try and give as much as you could towards people. Instead of people having to, having to pull your arm and, and, and put you in a, a, an arm bar to get you to do something, you would willingly, voluntarily show up and give your best. If, if we would just follow the golden rule, we would have communities of, of people that knew each other, loved each other, helped each other, gave space to each other when we fell short because we know we're gonna be the one to fall short next. Wonder what would happen to society if we followed the golden rule. Prisons would empty overnight. There would be, there would be no more violence, no more defrauding, no more abuse, no more need for the entire jail system, they would, it would begin to be emptied. I wonder what else would happen in society if, if we began to follow the golden rule. D the divorce rate would plummet overnight because adul adulteries would cease overnight. There would be connection, friendship, love, and forgiveness. I, I wonder what would happen if society followed the golden rule. Wars would have to cease. Diplomacy would have to take precedent. The, the multi-billion dollar industry that creates weapons for destruction, instead of tearing down countries, would have to begin to build up countries. Doors would have to be open. Opportunity would have to happen if we could just follow the golden rule. Essentially, we would live in a utopia. Just one of the things Jesus has given us. It's simple, but my goodness, it's powerful. But the truth is it has to start somewhere, right? And it has to start with someone. And what I like about the golden rule is that it comes without a promise. It doesn't say you do this and everyone else will do this. It just, it just puts the responsibility on you and me. Jesus is just saying, I want you to do this no matter what they do. I want you to start no matter how they react. Do unto others. You say, well, what, what about what are they going to do to me? We're gonna, we'll get to that later. But I want to start with you. You do unto others. You initiate. Come on, just like God initiated. We're his children, and he's looking for us to initiate. Why? Because the cycle has to start somewhere. It has to be spun by somebody. It has to be given inertia. There has to be an initiating event to start the cycle off with someone. Come on, say, that's me. One turn to your neighbor, say, that's me. Turn to your other neighbor and say, that's you. <laughs> it's got to start with the people who have experienced the golden rule from their Savior. Amen. Begin to embody the golden rule in their life. Amen. Problem is our generation really wants all the benefits of the golden rule with none of the weight and responsibilities of it. This is called entitlement. We want to... We want a great boss. We want good coworkers. We want a happy home. We want a loving spouse. We want a thriving church. And that's so good. But the golden rule says, are you a good employee? Are you a good colleague? Do you sow joy into the home? Are you a loving and serving spouse? Do you serve the house of the Lord? See, it has to start with you. 
Freely you have received, freely give. Come on, freely you have received, freely give. Let it start with us. Let us take on some of the weight, some of the responsibility, some of the investment. Because, you know, you don't get the house without the down payment. There's got to be investment. Come on, you don't get the interest without the saving. There's got to be some investment. You can't pick up the dry cleaning without the ticket. There's got to be some investment. It's got to start with someone. Let it start with us. I don't want to wait for the world to change for me. I want to change like Jesus and see if the world might change around me. May that be what we get today from the message of Christmas, from the message of his coming, that if there's a world that you want to inhabit, you have to be a part of the investment. Like Jesus initiated, you must initiate. Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Sow the golden rule in your life. Jesus embodies this golden rule for us. Jesus truly did do unto others. Everything he did, everything he did, beginning at the first instant of his coming, everything he did, he did for others. If you need a savior today, that's why he came. If you need a helper today, a healer today, that's why he came. Maybe you've been struggling under the weight of another rule. Maybe the golden rule isn't what you've encountered or lived under or lived by. Maybe you've never lived, maybe you've never received life from Jesus Christ and you're living under another rule. Many people are living under the rule of guilt here today. You're living under that law and that authority. And maybe you're even here hearing about the goodness of God and you'd say to yourself, but I don't deserve this goodness. Maybe for some of you, you think the pain in your life is your penance. You say, I know my past, I know what I did, and so this guilt is what I deserved. It's, it's right, it's right that I have this going on in my life. But I want you to know today that Jesus already carried your cross. Jesus already paid your price, and he paid it with his blood. And Jesus already, already gifted grace to you. All you have to do is choose to receive it. But he has already gifted grace for your guilt. You can lay that down and you can receive this gift. It's already under the tree. It's already wrapped. It already has your name on it. Don't be the one that says, no, no, I don't deserve it. Therefore, I won't open it. No, you definitely don't deserve it. But that gift doesn't say anything about your character. It says everything about his character. He initiates. And he's doing for you what you couldn't do for others. He wants to give you grace. Set you free from the overwhelming weight of guilt and shame. This is why he came. And today, I want, I want you to please hear me. If you walk out of this place still carrying that weight of guilt... From this point on, it's your choice because you've been given the truth that in this moment right now, grace can relieve you of that guilt. Maybe some of you aren't living under or by the golden rule. You're, you're living under the rule of emptiness. Maybe that's the thing that rules over your heart and mind. 
searching for meaning. Maybe you're searching for meaning in, in social causes. You're searching in education. You're searching in, for meaning with people, relationships. I don't know. Maybe it's substances, higher level, higher sphere. But when you boil it all down, you feel empty and you're trying to figure out what fills that void. The truth is, you have a creator that created you with a purpose. You've got to meet him. Like Lou was saying in his baptism, he says, I have found meaning when I found Christ. You got to meet him. And he will begin to reveal to you why you're even made, why you're here, what your purpose is. I think a lot of us are searching for meaning. We're searching in all the wrong places because the truth is you will not find, please hear me, you will not find heaven on earth. You can only find heaven through Christ. You could search the whole earth, but you will not find what you're looking for. What you're looking for is a spiritual reality, not a physical one. And so maybe, maybe you've been living under that rule of emptiness, and today I'm, I'm here to tell you you've got to come to Jesus. He's the only one that can bring purpose into your life. You've got to come to Jesus. Or maybe lastly, you're, you've been living under the rule of fear. Fear of what's to come, fear of the unknown. Maybe you're fearful of growing old. You're fearful of death. You don't know what's on the other side. And maybe that fear has grown so much in your life that the consequence of it is you find yourself paralyzed, unable to move forward, unable to dream, unable to hope. And you, you're, you're living in this place. I'm here to tell you the truth today that Jesus came to set the captives free to break the chains of bondage, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What am I saying? I'm saying he comes to bring faith in the place of fear. He comes to, to set you free from that thing. No longer do you have to be paralyzed, but you can walk through life with your Savior by your side, knowing that whatever is yet to come, you're going to face it together, and it's going to be good things. How do you know this? Because I know salvation always brings liberty. And through the cross of Jesus, this is the gospel. Through the cross of Jesus, he took on all of these things that we've been ruling, uh, ruled by. He took on guilt and emptiness and fear and everything else. Every other sin that you could ever think of, Jesus took it upon himself on the cross. He's, he's living out the golden rule. He's doing for us what even if we wanted, we couldn't do for ourselves. And Jesus is putting it on himself all the sin of humanity, and he's dying the death that it deserves so that he can restore relationship. That's what the cross is all about. That's what the crucifixion is all about. The blood was his price, and he paid it. But hear me, when it touched the ground, it redeemed the whole earth. So today, you don't have to live under that sin. You can live under the blood, under forgiveness, under freedom, under change, under relationship, under meaning because of the blood. And the good news is he gained victory over that sin, that shame, that guilt. He gained victory because after being dead in three days, he took the keys back from the enemy. And when he rose, he rose in victory. He rose in glory. He rose with the heavenly angel armies. He rose to say death is no more. He rose to open the way. He says, I am the door. And if you want to get to the Father, I've opened it. Come through me. He says, I am the way. And if you want to walk towards heaven, 
come through me. He did all of this so that we could be restored to relationship. What Adam and Eve lost, Jesus comes to reestablish, to establish a better rule. And John 15, 13 tells us, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. It was love that motivated Jesus. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.